So a story I read this week about a guy that serves in campus ministry, his name is Dave. He serves at, at Michigan State University in campus ministry with students there. And he tells a story of one day when he had an appointment cancel on him, and so he had a couple of hours open up. He wasn't sure what he's gonna do. And you know, I don't know what you think of when you uh, think about having a couple of extra minutes of free time, but Dave, um, Dave, said that the spirit just kind of moved in him and he prayed a prayer. Not one that he had planned on, it wasn't a planned prayer time, but he prayed this, he prayed, God, how do you want me to use this time? I wonder if every day we practice that practice, what might happen differently in our lives. God, how do you want to use me and how do you wanna use this time? Um, he, He said that immediately the name of a student came to his mind, Janice. Janice had not grown up in the church. Janice was not a a believer, but Janice had friends who had invited her to uh, the campus ministry and she had started coming and he said, her name just came to my mind and so I didn't know, I felt like the spirit was leading me and so I called Janice and said, hey, can you grab a cup of coffee? I have a couple minutes open. Would you like to grab a cup of coffee? I'd love to hear your story a little bit more. So they went to coffee and Dave said it was one of those awkward moments where he just knew that the Spirit was leading him to say this, and and he said, "Um, um, Janice, like, are you interested in knowing how you can follow Jesus, how you can, how you can invite him to be the Lord of your life, like, kind of going out on a limb, and and she started to, to, like, tear up in that moment, and immediately he thought he had done something wrong, foot in the mouth moment, right, that's what he thought, (laughs) And so he started to apologize and say, you know, that was kind of insensitive. I don't really know you that well, and, and I, maybe I shouldn't have said that that quickly. And, and she said, and, and all of a sudden, though, Janice stopped and interrupted him and said, no, that isn't it at all. You see, I went to one of the small groups of the, of, of the ministry last night, and they were talking about what it meant to be a Christian. And all the while, I was sitting in the group wondering, what does it actually mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus. And she said, so last night I went home and I prayed and I said, God, would you just send someone to me who can explain what it means to follow Jesus? And now you're sitting here. And I know those those moments don't happen every day, but I wonder if we took a moment and we prayed that prayer, God, how how do you wanna use this time? How do you wanna work through me? You see, he was open. He was open to the work of the Spirit in a way that he didn't, he wasn't anticipating, he hadn't planned, he hadn't scheduled it. He was open to that work and he was also, he was also uh, open uh, to respond with courage to a moment that might have been a little uncomfortable, but, but he did it because the Spirit led him to. My question to you as we kick off this series poor is would you like to be used by God? Would you like to be used by God to make a difference in this world? Is there anything in this world that you think could be better? (laughs) That is a rhetorical question. We all agree, right? There's plenty in this world. Students, I wanna ask you, you, do you wanna be used by God this school year? Do you want God to work in your life at work, where you live, where you study, where you play. This is, uh, this is what we're inviting you to, to open yourself to. 
in this series. You see, as Christians today, in, in all that we've gone through in the last few years and really before that and leading up to this point, there, there's this growing uh, restlessness and struggle within the church and within followers of Jesus that we're struggling to know how to share the good news of Jesus. There's, there's so much fighting, there's so much of our culture that's changing and, and Christians in America are growing confused and distracted and frustrated. And what happens a lot of times is that we do one of two things. We either get angry and people that are outside the church or don't believe the same things we do, we get, we get angry and we get into fights or we become apathetic and we don't, we don't, we really just disengage completely. We might want to make a difference, but we're not sure how, and we become frustrated. But the Bible tells us that the, the good news of Jesus is that. It is the best news. It is good news for the world, that it is joy and life and fullness of life and richness of life and flourishing life. And the Bible tells us that as followers of Jesus, it is normal it should be normal for all of us to share with the world. This is good news, friends, that we have. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, Jesus taught the disciples. He said, you are, you are the salt. You are the salt of the earth. You, you know, salt is used what? To preserve things and to flavor things, right? He said, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill doesn't put its light uh, you don't put a, light, a, a lamp under a bowl. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. So therefore, let your light shine. Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and glorify your, Lord, your Father in heaven. Then in his very last words to the disciples when he, when he was to go back to the Father, you know, you don't really kind of just talk about superficial things. You talk about important things when it's your last time. And Jesus said to them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. You see, this is what we are commissioned to do. This is an adventure that we get to be on, that we're invited into. But for many Christians today, the sentiment is more like this. My faith has made maybe a huge difference in my life and I know that it could help other people. I know that Jesus tells us to share the good news, and I should share it, but the thought of talking about my faith makes me feel like I'm part of some weird pyramid scheme, and I'm a salesman. People are gonna be put off by anything I say, or not to mention that I don't really know that much about the Bible, and so if they push back and ask questions, I might not have all the right answers, and so I shouldn't even try to say anything at all. I'll just be nice and stay quiet and hope that they kind of absorb it, right? Ever find yourself thinking along those lines? It's okay, I think we all do. But in the next five weeks, what I wanna do is encourage us and, and invite us into some rhythms of life that I believe can be fruitful and meaningful and deepen your faith and allow you to look back on your life and say that you made a difference in others' lives in ways that you hadn't planned, that weren't on your schedule, but because you were open to God's movement in your life, that he showed up and did something. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna ease your mind maybe, first of all, and tell you, that I'm not asking you to do anything weird, okay? 
Even the word evangelism, when I mention the word evangelism, like we all have different reactions to that and it's loaded in different ways and you probably think of some TV preacher or street evangelist with a bullhorn and you're thinking like, I'm not, that. I'm not asking you to be that. I'm not even asking you to have the gift of evangelism. That's a spiritual gift that's talked about in the scriptures. Not all of us have the gift of evangelism. Not all of us are evangelists. And if you're not, you shouldn't try to be because it comes across as hokey. But you all have gifts, and you can all live missionally in a way that will make a difference in others' lives, that will lead them to Jesus. And you all have a story. If you're following Jesus, you have some kind of story of how he has worked in your life. And so listen, don't disengage. This is five weeks. We're gonna talk about sharing your faith, but don't, don't, well, don't wait. I don't wanna see you in six weeks. I wanna see you next week, okay? Come back, engage, open your heart. This first step is a huge step that we're gonna talk about today. Secondly, I want you to know this. You do not have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to know all the right answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. This is not about being in over your head. Listen to me. What I know is that people are not looking for a professor. They're looking for a friend. Most people are looking for a friend. And even in our world today where so many more people are saying that they're, they're not religious or the, the nuns and duns are growing, right? The ones that respond to that survey of your religious background and they answer none or done. Stats are showing that those numbers are going way up. But here's also the interesting thing is that people are more than ever open to actually, they're actually open to spiritual conversations more today than they have been. And so you can make a difference in someone's life if you're open to blessing others, to being poured out by God. You don't have to have a Bible degree. God uses all kinds of people. God uses engineers, he uses architects, he uses coaches, he uses teachers, he uses students. Friends, guys, I want you to understand, there's a reason like we, this is a series that, that is important for all of us and especially for you as you go back into your schools that there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt and a lot of ways of life, patterns of life that are not leading people closer to, life, to the life that Jesus intends for us to flourish in. And you can be a missionary there. You don't have to have all the degrees or all the right answers. You have to have a willing spirit, an open spirit, and allow God to work in you. And finally, I want you to know, and I think I've made this point clear, how important this is. There is no more important thing that we could talk about than living missionally in a way that leads other people to Jesus. You literally have the ability to change eternity, to change people's lives, and to change our world. Jesus needs and invites us to go to the places where people are desperate for him all around us. There are people all around our neighborhoods there are people at your schools, there are people at your work who don't acknowledge that they need Jesus. But they are laying awake at night wondering if their marriage will make it. Wondering what will happen to their kids. Wondering about the next step in life. Wondering if their life matters at all, if anybody notices them. And they're, they're asking all of these questions and what they don't, a lot of them realize is that Jesus is the answer to all of those things. In Jesus, we find the answer to these greatest questions in life.
You see, people need Jesus. They don't need a dry, dull religion. They need a life-changing relationship with Jesus, the creator, the savior of the world. And so I wanna ask you, I wanna invite you, I wanna, I wanna encourage you to press in over the next five weeks, to lean in, to sit on the front of your seats, to take notes, and to engage beyond Sunday morning in a process that we're gonna invite you into. It's an acronym that you saw set up in the video before the service, or before the message, that invites us to pour ourselves out. There's rich imagery in this acronym, POUR, P-O-U-R, you see, we're, we're a church that believes that, and it's written all in our imagery, even in our logo, even in the way that we brand ourselves, that we believe that we're a church that's called to not, be, not just be poured into, but, but to be poured out for the world. That God pours into us and we pour out into the world. And it's actually connected with some history as well. If you know the backstory, in the 1700s, the Church of England was a stale, dull church, and many of the clergy were corrupt, and John Wesley grew up in this church. And yet he realized that the church he was growing up in, and even his own life, that it had all of the outward forms of religion, but it didn't have the inner working of the Holy Spirit that had transformed his life. The power of the Holy Spirit was absent. You see, it looked good on the outside, it looked like all, they were following all the rules, but there was no life-giving, life life-transforming encounter with Jesus, and Wesley had a radical conversion. He had a radical conversion when his heart was strangely warmed. This is after he's actually in ministry, he realized he wasn't living with the kind of faith of some others that he saw. And so he began to kind of leave behind the conventional practices of his day. One of those was street, preaching in the streets. I know that doesn't sound radical. It actually sounds weird, and I've told you you didn't have to do that, but it was a very different day in the 1700s in London. You were only allowed to do ministry in the church. And Wesley said, the, church, the, the, the world is my parish. I'm gonna go out to the hurt and the sick I'm gonna go to the attics, I'm gonna go to low places, I'm gonna have friends in low places. That's what some of you went to a concert last night and heard that, right? Jesus had friends in low places and Wesley said, I wanna go where people are and I wanna proclaim the good news of Jesus and I wanna see it transform their lives. And, and people started to come and this revival movement broke out because they proclaimed the word of God and they studied the word of God in small groups that Wesley called classes and bands and they began to, to hold each other accountable and to live out this rich community and it started to erupt and to grow and they were out of space and they began to look around and say, where are we gonna meet? And they found this old, listen, old abandoned Cannonball Foundry. Did you know that's where our name comes from? There was this old foundry this, that, that, that had been abandoned. It had caught on fire and burned down. It, and and the place that used to cast armament for King Charles would now become the place that they would do their ministry. It became the place where men and women were forged in the Holy Spirit to become transformed and used for their world, and this is who we are, friends. I got to visit in London a few years ago the site of the foundry, the original one. They misspelled it on the, on the wall. <laughs> is that British? Is that what it's like? 
but I got to see this place and I got to walk and it was a powerful, I read about things in the, in the books, but it was different when I stood in that place and imagined the revival that, that broke out because a few people were so passionate that they wouldn't let those barriers, those boundaries, those excuses stop them from blessing other people, from living out their faith in this way. So poor is going to become a part of who we are, this acronym that I'm gonna teach you. And so I'm gonna hit it every week because I want you to memorize it, okay? Okay, okay. You, need to, you need to memorize this. You need to, to allow it to be, I want us to allow it to be foundational for our way of life. And this is not a way of doing, this is a way of being the church, not, not coming to church, but being the church. Poor, P-O-U-R, to be poured out as a blessing to the world. P is pray. Prayer is where it starts. Prayer is our work. And we can't do anything without the power, anything meaningful without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about this today. O is offer. Find ways to offer invitation to relationship, okay? It's not just about inviting people to church. Let me be clear. I'm not saying pray and then just go ask a bunch of people to come to church. I'm saying invite people into your home. Invite people to, to a shared meal. We're gonna talk about this next week a little bit. Invite people into a relationship because God works through, God doesn't need, people don't need a professor, they need a friend. They need a friend, these people who are willing to talk about spiritual things. The studies also show that they're very open to a conversation with a friend who cares about them and is also strong in their convictions and their faith. If your faith really matters to you and people really matter to you, people will listen to you. So offer invitations to relationship and then understand, seek to understand the needs in the lives of the people around you, whether they're hurt. Are you actually listening well enough? I don't mean just here, I mean listening. A lot of us are so busy. I, I, you know, I'm, I felt convicted even of that recently that I'm going so fast and everything's so surface level that I'm not really listening. And so we wanna, we wanna offer invitations to relationship and then begin to listen to the work of the Spirit and how he is working in people's lives and where their hurts are, where, where their needs are, and then respond. Respond with word and deed. Find ways to serve others, to bless others. And then, yes, to give, give reason for our faith when people ask, like, why are you different? You need to be prepared. We wanna prepare you to give an explanation for the way that you live and point people to Jesus. So today I wanna start with prayer. Why? Why first? Why do we start with prayer? What's the Sunday school answer? It's always Jesus, right? <laughs> but it's true. Why do we start with prayer? Jesus prayed. Jesus taught us this rhythm. There are these, these times in scripture where, where Jesus is doing incredible, incredible work. He's just caught this miraculous catch of fish. He's healed a leper. All these miracles are breaking out. The crowds are coming. And it says, yet news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. This is a moment, right? Jesus can capitalize on the crowd, right? And what does Jesus do? But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Was Jesus tired? I don't know, I mean, he was, there's a mystery to this. Why did Jesus pray? Jesus was fully God. Jesus was also fully human. I don't know, I mean, it's, there's a mystery to it, but, but what we know is that Jesus prayed. 
And this was a regular pattern in his life. Just in the next chapter in Luke, it says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him. See what just happened there? Pay attention. He went and prayed and then he made a, a, a huge, important, strategic decision. He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated as apostles. Prayer is where everything begins. Prayer is the work. Prayer is in every step of the work. It would be easy to skip the prayer part, but Jesus spends this time and he invites us to spend. I wanna go back to my question though. Why did Jesus pray? Did he need to pray? I mean, you could say he was a human being, he needed to pray, but he's also direct line to God. He's divine too, so like, did he really need to pray? What's the, I don't know that there's an answer, but here's, here's my suspicion, okay? Like, go back to Genesis for a minute, and let's look at another instance, like the, the creation story. The creation story. God, the, 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 the unimaginable, limitless in power, creator of the universe, who never grows weary, on the seventh day, what does he do? He rests. Was God tired? I mean, it was a lot of work, right? You think your job's hard. Like, God created the whole cosmos. And six, on the sixth day, he goes, man, I'm just like, I'm pooped, I'm wiped out, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I gotta sit down, right? Like, I mean, I don't, this is the formless God. Like, there is nothing, he's limitless in power. Why does God, and why is that, like, that's the first story. Like, why does he, why is that so important to point out that detail that God rested? Well, friends, I think, I think you know, right? The reason it's there is because, not because God needed to rest, but because we need to rest. Because he wired it into the creative story and he modeled it. So much of what we see and read about Jesus is about modeling for us what we need. And we need rest. As one Hebrew scholar put it, Sabbath is that one day where God, that God uses to restore what it took six days to tear apart. You see, we need rest, so God rests to show us the rhythm. We need to pray, we need to be connected to the Father, and so what does Jesus do? He teaches the disciples this rhythm. He teaches us this rhythm, and he says you begin with a, with a, with a spirit of prayer. Now, like a lot of us, I know when I talk about prayer, you know, it's another one of those things that we start to check out and say, you know, I don't, I don't have the language, I don't know what to say, how do you talk to an invisible being that you can't see in front, like I get all of that, but listen, we make prayer too complicated. God help me. Anybody said that? That's a prayer, if you really mean it. God, I don't know what to do, show me. God, how do you wanna use this time that I have? God, how do you wanna use me today? God, help me to see the people around me and their hurts and pains, and help me to know how to serve those around me. These are prayers. Prayers are simple. Dave, Dave Ferguson tells the story of a guy named Louie who did this. One day, Louie went to the mall, and for whatever reason, he was, sitting on, he was sitting on a bench, and he saw this guy on a bench across the, across the mall, and God said to him, God spoke, like, again, this doesn't happen that every, every day. This is, you know, this is, this is one of those moments he just knew. Louie just knew. God told him, Go talk to that man and go tell, perfect stranger, go tell him God loves him. Louis did what you and I would do. 
Louis thought, I must have eaten something bad for lunch. Surely that's not what God wants me to do. And instead of going this way, he went this way, right? And so he went to a different store and thought maybe, and then of course, what happened next? The guy walks in that store. Louis's looking at the guy again and God's saying again, I told you, go tell the guy God loves you. And so Louis, you know, realized he needed to be in another store. He goes somewhere else, and the third time, the Holy Spirit prompts him and says, go tell the guy God loves him. And so finally, he, he realizes what he has to do, and he walks across, and he says, he kind of stammers, and he says, this is really weird, but like, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God loves you. And he said the guy broke down in tears. And he said, I'm at the end of my rope in life. And I didn't know if I could make it through another day. He said, in fact, last night, I was up late at night and I just prayed to God. I said, God, I don't even know if you're real. I don't know, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to do. But if you are real, could you just give me a sign? And he said, the weird thing is, I came to the mall today and three random strangers walked up to me and told me that God loves me. What would have happened if Louis said no again. Listen, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but there are little nudges of the Holy Spirit each day where he invites us to do something or to say something that can bless others. You see, prayer is this rhythm of life of just opening our hearts and listening. Prayer is just as much listening. God, speak to me. Make your will known to me. We breathe in. We breathe out, we listen for God's voice and we pray asking him to help us pour ourselves out. So how can you get the most out of these weeks? When you come for communion today, there are gonna be these little booklets, we're calling them the series, the Poor Series Guidebook. And we've put some resources together here. There's also a website that you can go to that has uh, the same information and uh, it's foundrychurch.org slash poor. Um, and additional resources can be found there if you wanna go a little bit further. But here's what it looks like. We're inviting you, and I just wanna start with this first one, to invite you to pray. Pray, and pray specifically for the people who are in close proximity to you, where you live, work, study, and play. So at your school, students, in our neighborhoods, your workplace, but, but we wanna give you this resource specifically around your neighborhood. So when you get the booklet, you're gonna see this and, and you're gonna see the pledge and, and on the back of the pledge, you're gonna see my neighborhood map and it'll look familiar to some of you because years ago we did a series called The Art of Neighboring and it had a, a, a remarkable impact on us and pushed us out to love on our neighbors and just to get to know our neighbors and to learn names. And so we wanna invite you into this practice. And so what you'll do is you'll just write your address. I want you to cut this page out, put it somewhere where you can keep it. Write your name, write your name or your address in the center. And then you begin to get to know the eight people you, you ask God to open doors. And maybe, maybe for some of you, you already know. You know, the extroverts in the room, a lot of you already know like all eight, right? And let me just say something about that. Some of you introverts, you've been breaking out in hives this whole morning, the whole time I've been talking. 
You're with me, right? Okay, he, he, I wanna encourage you. I had a, my, my neighbors were sitting in the second row in the first service, and I could tell, like, they're so opposite in personality. Uh, Jane is out there. She knows all, she, like, knows, she could fill it out twice, right? She knows everybody in the neighborhood. She's the party planner. And Stan was literally, like, I could see Stan breaking out in hives over there, right? But let me just encourage you, if you're an introvert like Stan, l- let me just say this, um, you have a remarkable ability to go deeper with people than extroverts. Extroverts like me, like I have tons of relationships. I love to go to parties and I love like hanging out with a lot of people, but I'm not always really good at getting kind of a little bit deeper in relationship because, because I'm just always kind of out there. <laughs> Some of you introverts, you may not be able to ever fill out all eight, but the ones that you fill out, God might do something extremely remarkable in a few people's lives, and that's powerful and it's needed. Okay, so what I'm saying is don't take this too literally either, right? Some of you live on a street, some of you live in a cul-de-sac, some of you live in a townhouse or an apartment, some of you uh, uh, live on more acreage and you're like eight neighbors, like it doesn't, don't be so literal, okay? Like just think about the eight people around you that God would help you to learn names. The first blank, all you're, all you're trying to do is write down names. Students, it could be people at, at your school. Um, write down the names, learn the names of the people around you. And then in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about B and C. The, the instructions are in here if you wanna read them, but it's, it's about moving down the line to getting to know more of what they're passionate about, what their, what their hurts, and, and what are the needs that you sense in their life. And I promise you, if you, if you take this challenge and you and you take this little step to pray and to learn names, I promise you there will be stories of what God will do. They don't have to be those dramatic stories like I told, but I, want, I would encourage you, if God does that, would you share that with us? Like, email me, send us a message, um, and I promise I won't use it without asking you. And I might not even use it at all but I know that it'll encourage us. Let me know. Um, so so on, the, on one of the other pages towards the back, the back page, there's also uh, the same pledge that's on the back of your map because we wanted you to have the map in, that you keep somewhere and so you remember that pledge, but this version of the pledge is actually the part that you're gonna turn in. We're gonna invite you to take this simple pledge, the poor pledge, to pray, to offer, to understand, and to respond um, over the next five weeks. And so you, you'll, be, you'll have a chance to drop those off. I wanna encourage you, this is a simple step, and, and, and let me just say, if, if, if the other three freak you out, <laughs> I promise you the first step will make a huge difference. So don't get overwhelmed, don't get, don't get panicked. Not, we're not asking you to become an evangelist or be weird, to know all the answers. We're just saying pray. Pray for your neighbors. And I believe God will start to do some things to help you see how you can bless other people in a way that will be remarkable. Um, and, and really, it's perfect that we um, do this on a communion Sunday because we wanna gather around the table and remember that Jesus poured himself out for us. When he broke the bread, he said, 
this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. The cup, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood poured out for you. This is Jesus showing us the extent of his love and pouring his life out for us. As often as we do this, we are to remember that sacrifice. We are to remember his love for us. And then it sends us out into the world to live like he did. So Lord, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine that in some mysterious way they would be transformed into your body, into your blood. That as we come to this table today, as we partake of this meal, that your Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts. Lord, that you would awaken in us something um, deeper and more meaningful. That these simple practices that we're invited into would transform us and maybe even make a difference in those around us. So pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord, upon these gifts and may we be one with you. May we have your mind and your heart. May we be one with each other. May we be a powerful force when we make this pledge together in your name. That it would draw us nearer to one another and might we be one with you in mission in our world, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen.